Hey gang, Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. Following what may be the biggest upset in college basketball history, 16th seed UMBC knocking off number one overall seed Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament. America East alum uh, Chris Strub and I decided to talk about it. I'm a huge Virginia fan, so this was not an easy conversation, but I thank Chris Strub for encouraging me to go live after the show. We kind of try and make sense of it and see where this fits in in perspective, why it happened and what it all means. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this discussion. Here it is, uh, Ross Brand, myself with Chris Strub talking about perhaps the biggest upset in college basketball history. And Chris Strub here. This is kind of a strange time to go live spontaneously, but uh, Chris Strub is an alum of Binghamton University and the fellow America East uh, College, uh, UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Beat my Virginia Cavaliers, my beloved Virginia Cavaliers tonight. Perhaps the biggest upset in college basketball history. The first time ever a 16 seed, which is the lowest seed, uh, beat a number one seed in, well, since there have been one seeds and 16 seeds. So it's an amazing, amazing thing that happened tonight. It caught both of us totally by surprise. Um, as a fan, I'm totally stunned. But Chris couldn't be more stoked. And you know what? When you brag about your team being number one and all that, you got to step up and face the music when they when they choke it up on the biggest stage. So, <laughs> Chris, congratulations to America East. Uh, all those colleges must be mighty proud of what UMBC did tonight. Ross, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I was tweeting to you and Jess. I sent you a couple text messages tonight. I actually sent you an Instagram message the other night when you posted about Virginia and. I think everyone just kind of assumed that, you know, as you always do, that this, the, right. the one is going to beat the 16. As you said, this has never happened before. Uh, one seeds were 135 and 0 in men's basketball before tonight. Um, and this wasn't even like if you were picking one of the, the games, if you were picking one of the one seeds to lose, you wouldn't have picked Virginia because, in fact, yesterday Kansas was considered one of the worst one seeds of all time. And, uh, they lost or they won pretty handily. And this game was on Friday night. Like, okay, every, you know, Virginia's going to move on. No problem. No problem. And then Russ, I don't even know where to start with this right now. Like there's so much that we can break down from this game. I know you watched it from beginning. Right. To um, this was just shocking. Incredible. This was one of the biggest upsets in the history of, of all of sports. This, we're not just talking college basketball now. And I know you're a big sports guy, Ross. So, mm -hmm. Let's take a couple minutes and get into it. Oh, man. I mean, I'm like shell-shocked from this. I mean, it, it was – I've watched just about every Virginia game this year, and with all due respect to you, to UMBC, who played a tremendous game tonight, phenomenal. They deserve every credit in the world. But Virginia hasn't looked like this against top 10 teams. And to look like this against, I don't know, RPI or Ken – there's a Ken Pomeroy ranking um, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 188 or something like that. It's unfathomable. Yeah. You know, UMBC. And, and so this is why I wanted to talk about it a little bit. 
So UMBC comes from the America East Conference, which has mm-hmm. never had more than one bid in the NCAA tournament before. And Our, needed a last-second shot to even get into the NCAA tournament. They beat Vermont in the America East Championship game uh, last weekend, uh, the first championship game of, of Saturday. Uh, so it mm-hmm. starts at 11 a.m. every year. I watched right. it too. They beat Vermont, who was a huge favorite in that game. Uh, UMBC had actually uh, lost like 16 straight to Vermont. Um, and they had lost twice to them in conference play. So UMBC was a huge underdog just in that conference championship game. UMBC hadn't been in the NCAA tournament since 2008. So this is their first uh, appearance in the tournaments in 10 years. And no one expected this tonight at all. I think what Virginia was, what, a 16.5 point favorite um, all of the guys on CBS and TNT, they were, they, they were, the joke was they had written it in Sharpie that Virginia was moving on before this game even started. Right. Now they're showing the highlights again here on TV. But um, this game was a no-brainer. And in fact, Virginia was the number one team of all the brackets that were drawn. 18.5% of people around the world chose Virginia to win the national championship, including our common friend Brian Fanzo who lives here in Virginia. Yeah, in in fact, I think um, basically in any state that didn't have like a number one seed, Virginia, I think, was the top choice, uh, you know, of all the people who filled out brackets. There are like four states where Virginia wasn't the choice to win it. Three or four states, and those states were like Pennsylvania, where Villanova's located, yeah. right? Um, you know, maybe Ohio, where Xavier's, I think Xavier's in Cincinnati, right? So maybe Ohio, something like that, right? Kansas, where Kansas is located, obviously. Um, I, I, I mean, here's what's, what's so Virginia was, had a 50% chance, according to Vegas odds, to win the tournament more than any other team in the tournament. They were 50% chance to win the tournament. So the odds of them losing a first-round game, which, like, no number one seed had ever lost before. This is, yes, those those numbers largely came in before um, DeAndre Hunter, who's one of Virginia's key players, uh, found out that he had a broken wrist and wasn't going to be able to play in the tournament. But that... Put that aside. Virginia should have won. I mean, Virginia won games without Hunter earlier in the season. Yeah. He he's a guy who played 18 to 20 minutes a night. Um, probably their best pro prospect, but not a starter. A guy that they've certainly played great basketball when he's not been on the court. Um it's it's unfathomable. This team won at Duke. They beat <laughs> North Carolina, the defending national champions, twice including in the ACC tournament where they, you know, their offense was like the most fluid that I've seen it. And then to come back and play like this against UMBC, I think in one of the games they held North Carolina to 49 points. Um, They beat Clemson two or three times and one time held Clemson to 39 points. Uh, And, you know, they won at Florida State. Like, every good team, they pretty much, their only loss in the entire ACC season was at home to their in-state rival Virginia Tech by one point in overtime. And they still became the number one team in the country after that loss. The only time somebody's ever, I think, gone up to number one after losing a game because they had played so well up to that point. They won every single ACC road game. I mean, this is like... It is almost an historically great 
ACC season, right? I don't know if any team had ever won 17 games in the ACC before. Like, it was just a phenomenal season, right, by any stretch of the imagination. And and then they went on and they won the ACC tournament. So at, at the highest level, they are playing defense where they only gave up 53 points a game throughout the season, right? And guess how many points UMBC scored on them just in the second half? It's I know the answer. It's 53. And if you're watching this right now, I know Ross does live stream sports and you know we're we're both big sports fans although Ross isn't always sports oriented on his live streams. Um but as Ross is saying to put this loss or to put this game into context, right now on TV on on Sports Center they're showing like the miracle on ice. They're showing the Jets beating the Colts in Super Bowl three. Like, this is on that level of upset. Like, what's up, Sarah Wiseman? This is really cool that Ross is putting some of the comments on the screen, too. But this is on that level of uh, just completely unbelievable that, as Ross is saying, Virginia averaged giving up 53 points per game. They had, ne- they had not given up 70 points in an entire game the entire season. And UMBC blew that out of the water tonight. UMBC was not even the best team in the American East. They came in second place in the conference this year. As we talked about, they upset Vermont in the conference championship game. And this game was just incredible to watch, Ross. Now, you said you you watched almost every Virginia game this year. And I'm very curious to, to, to hear from you what happened in this game because the game was tied at half. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it was very close in the first half. Actually, UMBC was winning most of the first half and Virginia kind of fought their way back at the end. But to me, college basketball in particular is always about momentum. You know, there's only two 20 minute halves. And to me, when that second half started, there was a pretty incredible play right at the start of the second half. And that's the sort of play that if you watch a lot of college basketball, it's all about momentum. And I really thought that when that second half started and UMBC was quickly out to what a five, six, seven point lead um, that you started to feel like Virginia was in trouble. Mm. No, I agree with you. And uh, Todd Bergen asked, wasn't Virginia missing a key player tonight? Yeah, they were missing a key player, but I mean, not that shouldn't have tilted it this way. They played games without, you know, that same player a couple times during the middle of the season and, and beat really good teams um, you know, Sarah Weissman asks, is this an underdog story? It's one of the biggest in, in American sports history, I think. Um, it's certainly the biggest in the history of the NCAA tournament. It is. Um, it is. I mean, Chris put it, put it perfectly when he said that UMBC, who beat Virginia, was not the best team in its own America East conference, a conference that gets one bid generally each year to the NCAA. Virginia was going away the best team in the ACC, like four or five games better than, you know, had wrapped it up with like three or four games to go, which I I also think was the earliest anybody had wrapped up an ACC title. So, I mean, Virginia was historically good in a conference that sent, sent what, eight, nine, ten teams to the NCAA tournament and is year after year considered if not the best, always one of the best conferences. This is so improbable. I mean, this is think of any college basketball upset in this tournament before, and none of them 
well, are, are as improbable as this one is. Ross, I did a quick periscope uh, right as the game was ending, and I was talking about the improbabilities that have happened here in America over the last couple of years, right? And I don't want to turn this discussion political, but you know, a, a television personality became the United States president uh, in 2016, and that was right after the Chicago Cubs won right. the World Series. Now, the Cubs won the World Series. Right? <laughs> Just a couple months ago, the, Phil- the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. And we talk about these things in historical context. Like these things just don't happen. These aren't things that happen in American sports. But those things have that's happened before, right? The Cubs, as as long as their drought was, right. they had won the World Series multiple times before. No men's basketball team that was ranked 16 had ever beaten a one before. They were 135 and oh, and it's happened once before in 1998 in the women's NCAA tournament. But mm-hmm. in the context of the men, 135 and oh, so there have been perfect games. There have been uh, guys that have hit four home runs in a game. There's you think of every statistical improbability right. in sports, you know, and then you say, okay, well, at least a 16 has never beaten a one. And now that has happened. So you have to, you have to keep this in context of everything that's ever happened in sports. Like what now, what is there left to happen? You know, I I can compare this to one other thing uh, as a fan. And that is um, in the 2004 American league championship series, the Yankees were up three to nothing against the Red Sox. I like that. And, you know, it was by far taken for granted that that series was won. And the Red Sox won four in a row. And they were the first team in in Major League Baseball history in any type of series, whether a playoff series, World Series, to come back from a 3-0 deficit. And, I mean, there's a part of me that's never gotten over that as much as you know, obviously there's so many great things that have happened with the Yankees and it's not like it's a, but I mean, this is going to be something that you're like, you're never going to forget. I mean, and, and you know, the, what, you know what makes that stand out, Ross, the fact that in other sports, a three Oh deficit had been overcome and it has been overcome it, Like in hockey, for example, I think there's three or four times in the playoffs that a, an NHL team has come back from three Oh, right has never beaten a one in the NCAA tournament. And when you talk about the 2004 Yankees, and I know you're a huge baseball fan, and hey, look, Ross, now you have a couple weeks to get <laughs> for the Yankees, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> my, my, my point with this is, is this. That, they um, lost to the Red Sox, who are also a Major League Baseball team that were every bit, should have been every bit as good, but maybe didn't play well in the series. But they lost to a team that they were like almost about inseparable from over a two-year period, right? Yes. And the Virginia didn't lose this game to Duke or North Carolina. No, they no. lost this game to UMBC. And the question, the question, what my point here, Ross, is this, that again, the Red Sox are always going to be able to hold the, that three Oh comeback over the Yankees head forever. But this tonight, UMBC is going to be remembered for all time as the first team that ever managed to pull this victory off. And on the flip side, this is why I have a smile on my face and Ross is frowning because this Virginia team that Ross spent two minutes describing how historic their run through the ACC was is always going to be remembered 
as the team that lost as the number one, and not just a number one seed. I think they were the number one seed in the entire tournament, right? The number one overall seed, and they they were the the number number one one team in the country coming into the tournament. This is going to reflect on Virginia and the University of Virginia for the rest of time, for beyond beyond our lifetimes. Like Ross and I are going to be long gone, and people are going to be talking about this night forever. And that's why something like this, a live stream like this is special because this is, this is truly sports history. I mean, there's no other way to put it, Ross. Mm. So I'm sorry to do that to you. No, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's the cruelty of a one and done tournament, right? I mean, your whole body of work, only two losses an entire season winning the conference by a historic margin, beating the defending national champs twice, winning at Duke, beating Clemson about seven times, I think, or whatever, <laughs> right? Like probably three times, holding them to 36. All these accomplishments, and what you're judged by is one game in the NCAA tournament, a game you damn well should have won. I mean, they didn't play this badly at all for any stretch against any other team this season, even in the games they lost. They lost to West Virginia and they lost, uh, on the road, I believe, and they lost to Virginia Tech at home, right? They were struggles during those games or whatever, but never did they look like this. I mean, they looked lost. They looked clueless on offense. They couldn't stop them on defense. The guys went by them. I mean, UMBC hit like every shot they threw up. I mean, it was on, it was like, I didn't know who I was watching except for the name on the front of the jersey and the fact that they look like the guys that, that usually play for Virginia. I, you know, and uh, Ross, I didn't watch a, a ton of Virginia games. I saw them play a few times right. this year. I know you're a huge Virginia fan. So I'd love to get into the – just dig in a little bit more. Okay. What happened to the Virginia defense tonight? They gave up 53 points in the second half. But all I could hear going up into this tournament was, oh, man, the Virginia defense, the Virginia defense – They looked awful. They looked horrible. And I don't know, you know, sometimes you just get that, you know, a team can get hot and they can hit some threes. But from start to finish, this whole entire game, UMBC just seemed like they couldn't miss. And a lot of that was open shots. This wasn't contested threes. This was, they're just wide open. Well, playing against tournament teams, teams like Syracuse and Florida State, even Duke and North Carolina, you could count on Virginia a few times a game usually to make a team use the entire shot clock and not get a shot off, right? I think they did that to UMBC one time, and they were already losing by a good margin when that happened. Yeah. I mean, Virginia usually imposes its will defensively on another team and makes it so hard for them to get good shots, and then they're extremely patient on offense. And so they make you work and work and work for 25 seconds. And then they get a good shot off of a screen or something with like two seconds left on the shot clock for their own offense. So they, they totally compress the game to where it's a lot fewer possessions. They make it very hard for another team to score. They get out in front. And so like when they have a six point lead, it's like having a 15 point lead or a 20 point lead because it's that hard to score against them. They were anemic defensively. Guys were going by them like they were standing still, like they weren't even paying attention. And on offense, this team that was crisp as could be against North Carolina and Clemson last week was like 
struggling to find something they can do. Now, maybe, and and Tony Bennett, who coaches Virginia, has been an amazing coach, and he's put together a tremendous program, and they have great kids and all that, so I, I don't want to question him too much. I'm just an armchair uh, guy here, whatever. But, I mean, sometimes when you play that slow and you play that deliberately and you play a team where you have a lot more talent, maybe you need to speed up the game and beat them down court and run with them and get them in a run and gun game and let your better talent win out. Like if they played against Kentucky, the way Virginia plays is the way that they would beat. If they were to beat a team like Kentucky, they would beat them by slowing it down, imposing their pace and their tempo and their style of play on the game, which Kentucky doesn't want to play, right? They want to take advantage of their athletic ability and size and all that. Um, Virginia didn't seem to take advantage of its size by going inside. Um, they didn't seem to take advantage of the fact that their point guards like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and strong, and UMBC's point guards like 5'2". I mean, they just didn't <laughs> seem to take advantage of the fact that physically they should be a superior team, athletically, physically, whatever. Now, they're not athletically or physically superior to Duke or North Carolina, which is why they win by playing a very team-oriented style that's very disciplined and, and very much structured. But against a team like this, I mean, just pound the ball inside and, and shoot over these guys, you know? And they, and they don't have great offensive talent under the basket like some other teams do, and that's where they miss this guy, Hunter, who could score from, from anywhere. But still, they should have won this game going away. I mean, there's nothing in, in the whole history of either of these teams that, that, that would have led you to believe that there could be even a one-point victory for UMBC, let alone winning by 20 points. Yeah, I agree. And again, we're, we're trying to keep this all in context for some of the non-sports fans or some of the non-college right. basketball fans. Um, again, the, the idea that this uh, sixth man or whomever was missing from Virginia should not have made any sort of difference in the outcome of this game. I, I don't know if it just comes down to coaching. I mean, do you think that Tony Bennett and maybe the entire Virginia program just kind of took this game for granted. I mean, that's what you always fear in the NCAA tournament, but uh, Virginia just didn't seem to show up, especially in the second half. I mean, does winning a conference tournament like they did a very, you know, three games in three days and you're playing against, you know, your rivals and stuff like that. Does that, yeah, you but put that was... so much, but look, you put so much into that and you celebrate and everything else. Do you, do you, do you not have the right mind? It's hard to say because they, they've always had the right mindset. So, I mean, is it just that, like, the luck of, you know, if you play 33 games, you're bound to play one where you just can't get it together and it happened at the worst time? On I don't the know, worst... Ross. I mean, Charlottesville, Charlottesville is not that far from Charlotte. It's not like they had to fly to Portland or Boise or somewhere. No, I, you know, I like... there's no explanation for it. Other than other than maybe the coaching staff needed to be a little more flexible in terms of saying, okay, we have a structure, we have a system, and that system has been great to us, but maybe this isn't the game to play that system because it's a system that will keep the other team in the game. Maybe we should just exploit our our physical assets and win that this game that way. And that, that would be my only question is, should they have just pounded the ball inside and let their big guys 
score at will? Should they have exploited their height differential, uh, used their athleticism? I mean, this UMBC is pretty quick and athletic themselves. I mean, it wasn't like they were playing a team that was that was hobbled. I mean, except for the one guy who kept getting hurt and going out, but he he was phenomenal. He had everything. Yeah. He scored almost thirty points probably. So. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think that would be the one place I would question the coaching. But I've never seen anything from them like not being ready to play or anything like that. I mean, a couple years ago, they got caught as well where they weren't able to adjust. They were playing Syracuse in a, in a final eight game, lead eight game, thought they were rolling on their way to the final four. And in the second half, Syracuse went to a full court press and a zone, and they never really reacted to get their poise down, and then all of a sudden Syracuse just started knocking in shots from everywhere, and they didn't really make the adjustment, and maybe they had to play a different style there. So that's that's all I can think of. But, I mean, I don't know how this happens. I really I, don't. You can't explain this. No, no one can explain this. But I know that in Charlottesville, that program is going to have a lot of uh, questions to be answered over the next, what, year? you know, to try and, and explain this one out. And when Ross says, I don't really know what happened. The thing, the thing with all of this is again, the Virginia program has more than enough strengths that they should have been able to go to option B option C, right. you know, change the game plan to be able to adjust to what was happening. And they just couldn't do it. You know, it really felt like in the second half, all the wheels just came right off. And, uh, I just got to be honest with you, Ross, this, like I'm not making this personal, but this has to be embarrassing as a Virginia fan. You to think? Know... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually shocked that Ross was agreed to go live with me. I was texting him in jest with about 16 minutes to go in the game. Like, wake him up. Like, we got to do this. We got to go live. And I give you a lot of credit tonight, Ross. I know there's a lot of Virginia fans out there that are tucking their heads between their legs tonight. And they're probably very embarrassed. Well, we've missed on a lot of opportunities through the years, and we've had some tough breaks with injuries and things like that. But this this tops it all. I mean, this is the, the, this the is, low. I mean, this, this is, is as bad as it gets. Yeah. So. I, and and at the same time, I mean, as bad as it is, it you can't you can't say that it doesn't count for anything that they won the regular season and the ACC tournament. That doesn't mean that it's excusable to have lost this game, or that this this game is you know, not going to sting forever, but you know, what are you going to do? You're going to get rid of, you're going to get rid of a coach who won. No, who you won. can't that. See, that's they've been, they've, they, because the, the, do you, in other words, do you measure a team by what they do every day or do you measure them by what they do on, on a one and out tournament? Right. Like, I mean, they've gotten to be a number one seed three times in the last five years. They've won two ACC tournaments. They've won three ACC leagues in a league that is totally dominated generally by Duke and North Carolina, right? That for somebody else to have really the best record, by far the best, I think, but I don't know if it's by far, but they definitely have the best record in the ACC over the last five years. Now, that's that's something, right? I mean, yeah. they don't get the kind of players that Duke and North Carolina do. They don't get one-and-done players, Virginia. I mean, most players stay at Virginia four years unless they redshirt and they stay five, right? I mean, the two, to their, two of their three seniors were grad students, and they had one guy in this entire stretch who left early to go to the NBA, 
And he stayed going to classes. And when he's asked why he was still going to classes, he said, my advisor said I might be an academic All-American. So he finished the semester. So they're not they're not like, you know, cutting corners to get guys. They're they're really like legitimately getting kids who come to college and graduate and play for you four or five years and invest in a program that, you know, a lot of kids who are top talent wouldn't want to play in a system that's almost entirely based on defense and holding your possessions down which means you're going to score 12 points a game instead of 20 points a game, right? And you're not going to showcase your ability to run and gun and do all those things to the same extent as you would in another program. But that's how they've been able to put a program together that's been able to compete with Duke and North Carolina by getting kids who buy into the system, who stay four years, who improve and develop and get stronger and buy into the idea that the team is greater than self. Um, But that didn't work tonight, and it didn't work against one of the weakest teams that they played all year. Yeah. that's (laughs) And they played their worst game, and they they looked awful. That's all a perfectly reasonable assessment, and I think you're absolutely right in in almost every regard there. Uh, I would not judge uh, Tony Bennett. That's his name, right? Tony Bennett? Yeah, yeah. So as I wouldn't judge him and, and his uh, uh, program based on tonight because this is how basketball works. You know, sometimes right. sometimes, you know, the the uh, Milwaukee Bucks can beat the Golden State Warriors. And that's kind of what happened tonight. Right. So. But, uh, but you I, know what? At least they're losing to another NBA team. Yes, Virginia's losing to another Division One team, but they're losing to a team that's sure. not on the same that's not on the same level. And I went to a Patriot League school for undergraduate. I went to Lafayette. Yeah. And they've played in the NCAA tournament. And I, you know, I'm very realistic about it, right? When they played, when they were a 15 seed playing a two seed Miami team back when Miami was a real, really good in the, you know, around 1999, 2000, you knew that they just didn't have a chance. I mean, you, you, you hoped in your, your heart, okay, maybe they could give them a game, right? But you know that that's, it just does. It's not yeah. going to happen. And yet, you know, we don't get the kind of guys at a school like Lafayette or, you know, UMBC doesn't get the kind of guys who go and, to an ACC and, school. And I think that's what's so important to point out here that, um, you know, again, I went to an America East school. I didn't right. play sports, but I went to Binghamton University. And for a lot of colleges around the country, you know, we talk so much about Duke and North Carolina, you know, and, and Texas and UCLA and all these big time programs. But a lot of people, a lot of students um, go to these smaller schools and, they, they, you know, we actually have a message board. We call it One Bid Wonders, right? right. Where the dream is to go to the NCAA tournament just for the, the, the chance to, to usually get blown out, you know, right, by a team right. like Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, um, you know, it's not even a question to have multiple bids. Whereas Ross is talking about having nine or 10 bids, you know, for the ACC, we play all season long and all year long mm-hmm. and all, all your whole life to just get a chance to roll the dice against a team like Virginia in the NCAA tournament. And so we can't, you know, we talk so much about Virginia and its failings and everything, but I want to make sure that I uh, appreciate and congratulate UMBC on an unbelievable uh, appearance tonight. Like that was such a special uh, performance by their program. I know that they're uh, dancing in the streets of Baltimore tonight. I actually felt compelled to drive up there because I'm only about an hour south of Baltimore right now. But I, I mean, in all seriousness, these guys celebrate 
like like nothing else when they make the NCAA. That's tournament. right. For them, getting into the tournament is the biggest win ever until something like this happens that nobody would ever think would be possible. And and look, you can tell the difference in, in the schools by just like looking at the players, right? Virginia's guards are six three, six four. They're solidly built. Yeah. Um, they're you know, and then you look at the the guy, one of the guards for um UMBC is like, I don't know, five four, five eight, they list them at right. He's not a bad basketball player, he's an excellent basketball player, but nobody thought that being that small and slight. He could withstand the rigors of playing night in and night out in the ACC. So he ends up playing at a school like UMBC, and he's given an opportunity in a game like this, and he shows, like, you know, damn it, for one night, I can take on these guys. I can go buy them. I can make them have to worry about how they match up with somebody so small and quick and, you know, elusive and with moves they hadn't seen before. And then, I mean, that kid who scored, like, 28 points or whatever, he was phenomenal. I mean, he didn't miss anything. Yeah, Jordan Lyles uh, has been really great all year. You know, first team All-America East. And again, just it, it's 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 such a point of pride. Mm. Again, for someone coming from a small conference. And again, I never played sports. Um, I did. I wrote about the Binghamton basketball team. So I, I, I've covered college basketball. Right. Before. But th- this is it, it. There's no words. There's no just like Ross has no words to describe how poorly <laughs> Virginia played. Um, this is the sort of thing that UMBC will talk about for, for literally generations. And so I want to thank you, Ross, for, uh, for being a stand-up guy about this and yeah. for, uh, you know, giving me a few minutes just to, to, to understand and appreciate like, again, uh, you can see UMBC was the first American East team to win a first round game since 2005, which you might uh, remember was when Albany. Vermont- no, no. Not, is Albany you um, is Albany in your conference? Albany is in the conference. So that that was another question. I oh, we beat ask. Albany way back when, like in two thousand seven or two thousand. Did I, in I, the I, first I round? I, I went to I went all the way to uh, I went all the way to Columbus, Ohio to watch that one. <laughs> I didn't want to dive too deep into the uh, uh, America East trivia, but there's nine teams in the America East now. Northeastern actually used to be in the America East. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Berea, Jose Berea, who, who's now on the, he's in the NBA now, uh, right. he's like the most famous American East player, um, who's in the NBA right now, but didn't he won a championship like with the Mavericks? Uh, I, I believe he did. Yes. So, uh, yeah, now they're showing the American East championship <laughs> again. So UMBC hit a game winning three with less than a second to go to make it into, into the NCAA tournament. Russ, I don't want to take up your whole night, man. Hey, this is fun. I mean, you know, this gets my this. Even though I'm talking about it, at least I'm not like sitting around wallowing in the in the disappointment and humiliation of the first round loss. It's always good to talk about things again. UMBC had never beaten a ranked opponent. They were zero Mm -hmm. twenty five. Right. They were zero three all time against Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the other point of pride here in Maryland is that. Maryland did not make the NCAA tournament, but UMBC did. And now the, and now UMBC is moving on to the second round. Ross, this has been super cool. And I'm so grateful. Hey, congratulations to UMBC. I mean, it's an amazing accomplishment and it's, this is the kind of thing that makes this tournament so much fun and why you can't turn away on the first couple days from it, because really there's no other sport that you can get this kind of, sort of disparity in in terms of where the teams are ranked and yet 
you could get an upset like even the two the 215 and the 314 and the 512 and all those upsets yeah. are special but obviously nothing is like like this one and you know if you're going to enjoy it sometimes it, it might turn around and be your team that gets gets bitten and it can only happen if you're good enough to get a number 1 seed and you know most of the time following virginia if we got in the tournament it'd be like a 7 seed or you know maybe a good year would be a 5 seed or something like that where are we going to so you know now you're number 1 of bullseyes on your back and if you lose it's it it's it's embarrassing and it hurts and whatever and then you know there'll be another season next year and uh Maybe well, maybe a national championship or a final four and, you know, somebody else, another 16 team gets the confidence and knocks off a number one seed. And this kind of fades a little bit out of the memory in the perfect scenario. Right. I hear you. But but hey, you know, the other thing that I always point to, Ross, I, and I don't know if you would agree with this from a Red Sox Yankees perspective, but <laughs> when something when something like this happens to you and your team, uh you want to root for these guys, you know, and you're talking right. about another, another 16 seed, you know, at some point doing this again, but we got, oh, I want it to happen next year. And I want it to happen like two or three 16 seeds. So it becomes the most normal thing ever. <laughs> yes. Of course you do want that. But, but my point, my point here on this Ross is that you got to remember that UMBC is playing again right now on Sunday. So, Oh, know, I want them to win big time. Every yes, win they get takes a little more sting out of this as well. Takes, takes more sting out of it, but Again, this is now they're now America's team, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Even if you live in Virginia, I mean, you right. can't help, you can't help but root for a team like this. And I know it stings tonight, Ross. I, I know if I was in your shoes that I would be really hurting. But um, all of America right now has got to be rooting for UMBC, yeah. you know. And so I, from a Binghamton perspective, from an America East perspective, wish the Retrievers the best of luck, as I yep. I presume that you would too. Yep. Congratulations. I'm sure, I'm Congratulations. Sure then uh, the Tar, Heel, Tar Heels or the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Blue Devils, you know, well, so. it's, it's hard to root for the, the Blue Blood teams like that. But, uh, you know, it's also nice when you beat those teams to see them do well if you can't do well, because then you say, you know, right. Could have been us, maybe. But um, no, congratulations to UMBC and America East. And look, it's just sports and games. It's great. It's thrilling and all that, but it's, you know, it's not real life, right? I mean, it's real life to me, it, Ross Brand. Keep it in perspective, <laughs> right? It's all you only out of perspective when you win. When you lose, you got to keep it in perspective. Oh, I've got plenty of perspective tonight. I would keep this live stream going for the next three hours, man, but I know it's getting late here again. This all right, man. Game, so it's almost 1 a.m. here. Ross, all right. This, this has been it's a blast awesome. chatting with you. Let's do this again sometime. For sure. And uh, I really, really appreciate you, Ross. I I'm so stoked for everything that, that you're about. You know, I say this to you every time, I know. Live, but you you're are awesome, man. I look forward to seeing you on the set at Never Settle Show season three at some point uh, in 2018. Um, I I'm so appreciative of all the great work you did during season one. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Congratulations also for getting on season two as a guest, not just uh, as a contributor. That was that was amazing. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, congratulations for all that you're doing with Rachel as well. Um, I was very serious when I commented a couple weeks ago that uh, I want to see you at social media marketing world uh, up on a, on a stage of your own next year. Uh, oh, thanks. We're, we're all so proud of you. I know Todd Bergen and some of our friends were here watching tonight live as well. So Ross, I appreciate you more than you know, my man. I, I mean, thanks, this, man. I have to say it. 
Keep up the great work. Keep on carrying the banner for Be Live. I hope they're cutting you a huge check because you do some <laughs> crazy awesome work for the Be Live team. And I hope this video goes goes viral as well because you are just the best in the business. Uh, even if you're, uh, even if Virginia is not the best in the business tonight, or the Yankees <laughs> again, we could do a whole another live stream. I know. That, that, yeah, uh, next year, when, next year when Virginia goes to the Final Four, I'm going to do a live stream. You're going to come on and congratulate well, me. Well, that's my challenge to you. <laughs> I tell you what, if UMBC wins on Sunday, because now I'm challenging you to be the, the world. Oh, I'll go on every every game they win. I will do a live stream in their honor. I hold you to that. So absolutely, on Sunday, I will be texting you. And if they win, you better believe we're coming back to celebrate the Swix, the Swix <laughs> right, 16 man. UMBC Retrievers. All right, all right, man. all right. Have a great night. Thanks for doing this, man. Keep in touch. Talk soon. And okay. Uh, all right, man. Adios. Take care. Good night.